the problem is not even monolithic, let alone are the people monolithic. There right. are very specific challenges and hurdles that are going to have to be addressed in really creative ways on a hyper local level. But understanding that the problem exists in the first place and what the problem is and how to start moving out of the problem and offering solutions is going to be the first step. Everybody and welcome to the Advice Not Given podcast. Each week, we share unfiltered, truth-telling conversations between two friends. You're invited to eavesdrop as we give each other the advice you didn't ask for but wish you did. We're your hosts, Kelly Artis and Claire Wood of Millspo Gurus, and this is Advice Not Given. everybody and welcome back to this episode of the Advice Not Given podcast. Kelly and I have a lot to discuss today. We have gone back and we've looked over some of the history of some of the episodes that we have shared and we realized it's been about a year since we've brought the topic of spouse unemployment uh, to our podcast and we are going to be diving into that today mainly because a study that we are both highly interested in and invested in came out and we want to kind of go over some of the details of that with you, talk through some of the talking points of the article that was released in relationship to the study and kind of just revisit that topic because I think living through a pandemic year has definitely had an impact on it. And we felt that it was also timely due to the nature of PCSing. Mm-hmm. Those of you like me who may have PCS this summer, you're 90 days or so into your new place, you're settling in, starting to think about what potential employment options look like, or maybe you're PCSing this winter and you are starting to put feelers out because you know where you're headed and you're kind of searching out the job market and figuring out what point A to point B looks like. So Kelly, give us a little bit of background on the study and kind of who put it together. Yeah. So I came across this uh, in my LinkedIn feed this week. And it's funny because I know that Claire and I personally talk about spouse employment and unemployment and underemployment and all that kind of Along the way, you probably hear a nugget of that in every one of our episodes, but it's not something that we've really like focused on for one episode. And sometimes I wonder if it's because I'm like, I hate to say sick of talking about it, but a little because it's so ever present (laughs) that I think that's probably why. But this this article came up, had a lot of really great data um, and I reshared it, had some interesting comments um, that I just thought deserved a little bit of attention. So uh, my like role model idol, she's like a mentor. She doesn't know it. (laughs) (laughs) Rosemary Williams um, was, I think, probably a spearhead of this uh, piece. It's got her kind of written all over it um, with several other folks from Deloitte. Um, And they actually, I assume, were contracted by DOD to to conduct the study. And it was about military spouse unemployment. The subtitle says exploring solutions to a local problem of national importance. Um, And I thought that I think it's really important especially the lens and the, the approach that they took, um, I don't think has really been showcased before, um, how it is such a complex problem that cannot just be solved by a single program right. or, you know, a single initiative. Um, it takes a lot of really conjoined work, um, geographic study, like specifically understanding the labor markets in each of these duty station metro areas, um, and understanding all of the significant decision points that we face as military spouses that lead us um, to either pursuing employment or not. Um, And then the grand kind of overarching uh, point of the article is like, we can't afford to not 
solve this problem. Like this is, this is of national importance because of the fact that we are not hitting our recruitment numbers. We're not hitting our retain or retention numbers because people are having conversations about how to not only financially survive in this economy, like in this world where dual incomes are almost needed, like necessary, but then also because, um, a family commits to military service. It's not just the service member. It definitely takes both right. parties uh, still being enthused by it. So, well, let me ask yeah. you this. I want to, I want to kind of stop you there. Does it frustrate you at all that it's only when it's become a recruitment and a retainment issue for the military that we feel like we're getting down to brass tacks, so to speak. And we're finally saying, let's look at the local data. Let's put that into mm-hmm. to play. I mean, is there any part of you that that kind of aggravates that it's like, oh, well, now that it's a problem for you, now you're really wanting to really like study it. Or are you just grateful that it's being looked at at all? Oh, a little bit of both. Um, I So Gosh, like, yeah, I'm trying to wrap my head around like what I want to say here. So yes and no, like, yes, it does um, on all kinds of levels frustrate me. But then also I'm the same person that used to say, like, I'm not getting involved with your job to my husband because I was like, if you worked at IBM, I wouldn't be like, you know, gathering up all the spouses and like right. having a, a fan club of you because you work for IBM. I don't even know if Ooh, IBM still yeah. that was that was the 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 correlation that I used to use. Like I'll I'll move with you because you're relocating for your job. Okay, cool. But why do I have to be involved in your job? Right. That was obviously very it was a very immature perspective. Um, but I used to think that way. And I still kind of feel like, is it the military's duty? to pull us along. Hashtag yes. But <laughs> but um, I understand the nuance there. Like, And I understand that it has taken this machine this long to sort of start to slow down a little bit and recognize that there are problems that are affecting the, the machinery. Hmm. Does, that, does that make sense? Yeah. Like, we are we are what keeps lubricant i don't know what to say like we're like the catalyst that keeps the engine running yeah. in so many ways um otherwise they would just have a bunch of machines like yeah. you know what i mean like they they wouldn't have these well-rounded soldiers sailors airmen whatever they would have you know a person that worked on an assembly line so i don't know i just well, yeah it's complicated I don't, I don't think i've ever shared this on the podcast i know i haven't shared it on the podcast and i probably haven't even shared it with you but i remember now back in would have been a fall of 2010 when Ryan was getting his packet together and, um, you know, basically trying to raise his hand and go active duty and get commissioned as an officer and a chaplain. And I remember, Kelly, we actually drove to Fort Campbell because that was the nearest duty station to our home at the time. And Ryan had to have an interview with a senior chaplain. And I had to come with him. Like, if at all possible, I was to attend this with him. And I distinctly remember this was probably mm-hmm. a major lieutenant colonel turning the conversation directly to me and asking, Claire, so tell me a little bit about your background, your educational background, your profession. I'm, you know, just proud as peaches, just, well, I'm a teacher. And, da, 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 da. <laughs> and the guy literally said to me, he said, well, that's great. That's a great profession to be in, to come along as a support. And so here's, I think, my question, earlier question to you. I think, do we maybe just need to be reframing, like when we are at that stage of recruiting people, whether it's through enlistment or officer training, to just come out and say, this is a whole family commitment. 
like resent it all you want to or be aggravated all you want to. But if you enter into this, your spouse really needs to understand if you have a spouse, the full complexity of what you as a family are signing on for. I definitely think that's the reason why this has now become a thing that the military has to address is because it's getting so much airtime and it's getting so much attention from those of us who are like, this is messed up. This isn't going to work. Like, because now just, you know, the changes in society we're now, and the the article hits on this really well, much better than I'm articulating now, but um, it, it wasn't a thing back in the day because the gender norms and roles that we kind of ascribe to, you know, who was to maintain the household, essentially families were camp followers, right? right. If you wanted to see your soldier, your service member, whatever, um, you followed along. You actually provided the meals, <laughs> right? You uh, mended the uniforms. You tended any kids that were tagging along, hanging about, um, and provided, you know, the shelter, so to speak, um, of where you were going to be sleeping. But the military uh, wasn't, they didn't have to do that. That wasn't like on their thing because they were like, no, 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 we're, we just want the soldier. We don't need the whole family, the kit and caboodle. Y'all can make your encampment out there um, mm-hmm. and be kind of ha- proximately, you know, here with the soldier, not on the battlefield, whatever. Like you can be around for support, but you're not going to be like something that we're responsible for. Yeah. And I think there's a quote, is it the Marines that say we issue you a rifle, not a family or something? Yeah, or if the, I've, I've heard the one, I've heard it though, just tongue in cheek that says if yeah. the military wanted you to have a family, they would have issued you mm-hmm. one. Yeah. Yeah. So I get that to some extent, but then you can't, you can't move past those very like early, like young years. Right. Because what person would enlist or, or, you know, commission into the military knowing that they'd have to sacrifice the opportunity of ever having a family, right? right? They wouldn't. So it's become now, oh, okay, well, let's let's have a family, family first, and let's have, you know, all of these support systems and, yeah, and things. Programs. But still, yeah. But still rely on that spouse to provide all of this unpaid labor, not just in the household, but for this, the units, for the mm-hmm. military, like all of yeah. the, the support and morale and all of that sort of stuff is still falling on this volunteer labor, um, which is now becoming more and more completely unfeasible to still provide. Not only do we not necessarily, not everyone wants to do it, but also we can't, again, because we need dual incomes to survive financially in a comfortable place nowadays. So, Right. Well, I wanted to quote the article to your point. It says that while U.S. military has taken significant strides to modernize its force and technology, much of its family support system continues to reflect assumptions about the family life that are in many Mm. cases no longer accurate. Such assumptions include the non-serving spouse is always available to support service-related needs. Mm -hmm. One stream of income is enough for a family to thrive or the modern military family resemble those of former, Mm. resembles those of former generations. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, all of those things. And it's funny because these talking points have been so embedded mainly because I have (laughs) followed Rosemary around for everything she's ever done for the past, you know, five, six years. Um, And this all is, is kind of embedded in the way that I view this problem. Um, We shouldn't have to sacrifice. It is going to be more difficult. Absolutely. But there could be barriers that are eliminated if only there was a bit more attention paid to it. So. One more quick question, then we can move on. You have mentioned just in your responses and, you know, talking up to this point that we need to work. We need the income. It's a money thing. My question is, 
let's say Uncle Sam decides to just completely eradicate the current pay structure. And all of a sudden we get just, you know, let's say a 30 or 40 percent pay increase like on military pay. Does that solve the problem for you? Okay, now we're now we're talking. Now we've got a salary that's maybe more commiserate with uh, preparation or training. Or is this still a problem even if pay military pay increased? I don't think the level of pay is ever going to be commiserate with me, specifically me, sacrificing my professional identity. I would go crazy. Like I would go crazy. And I think a lot of people would. I was hoping to lead you to, which is, that, <laughs> yes, it is a money thing, but it's also like a fulfillment thing. It's a right. passion thing. It's a, well, this is part of who I am. Oh, I don't even, I probably shouldn't bring this up, but I was reading <laughs> a question actually on my praxis test I took last week for the English part. And there was a Sylvia Plath quote from the bell jar. And she basically is like referring to marriage and it's basically waking up every day, uh, you know, making meals, washing dishes and being tired of that. And she says something along the lines of, so this was what 15 years of straight A's produced. Mm. Right. Right. Like she spent 15 mm-hmm. years being very successful. Um, and that's not a knock on marriage, but I, I saw a real correlation, I guess, with a lot of like military spouse underemployment. Mm hmm. Because you do, like you go study and you become somebody in your field only to set it down every few years for the most part. I I think what scares me the most is that a lot of people, and I've seen this happen so many times, um, a spouse, you know, all right, here's the thing, like, right, you've, especially in the officer corps, you've got college kids, right? Uh, The service member, whoever's choosing to serve, or maybe both are choosing to serve at some point, probably nowadays have a conversation about, okay, well, who's going to, whose career is going to be more important? Because that is absolutely a thing. And look, that's a thing in everyone's relationships. Like they're probably always going to be a primary breadwinner. It doesn't have to always be the man or it doesn't have to always be one person over the other. But it it essentially, someone will have to make sacrifices in order to have a family instead of just a partnership. So that's fine. And those are conversations that you should have. Um, The problem is, is that I think we're going to have, we're going to start seeing harder conversations or we're going to start seeing a less less folks ready to go into a career of the military, right? So like, what is that going to do for some of the upper level officer corps, you know, the the higher ranking folks when they marry a college graduate as well, or maybe someone who has similar, you know, professional ambition, um, they're not going to stay in as long because that means sacrificing what it is that that other person had for hopes and dreams and aspirations. And if you know that going into it, I don't, I don't think that and again, it's hard to, it's hard to play quarterback right after the, fact. Yeah, it is. It, it's cause I look back and I'm like, I had no idea. And I can't say that I'm like unhappy with where I am, but I feel this in my bones and I see the way other people are suffering and struggling. Like Claire, I mean, you have a master's degree, <laughs> like, you know, and, and are getting passed over for teacher's assistance jobs. Like that is un fathomable. I have seen friends with doctorate degrees and and other master, other graduate certifications and things that cannot get work in retail. Right. And how demeaning is that? Like, what does that do to you? And then not only that, and to take it a step farther, because you know what, it's 2020 and I'm seeing like people are suffering right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Everything is suffering. I'm seeing relationships crumble for all kinds of reasons. And you can't think that your professional fulfillments or non-fulfillments or, or disappointments don't play into 
the way you perceive your marriage, right? And the way you perceive your relationship and the sacrifices that you've made. But not only that, now I'm seeing a lot of, and you guys listening probably know folks in this situation too, where this person gave up so much and has lost so much ground professionally. And then what happens when they feel like they're stuck in a marriage because they are too fragile and too, um, non, uh, not able to, to support themselves, right. Because yeah. of what they've given up. So there are just so many factors. Like you have to come and you have to show up in everything and every relationship as your full expression of yourself. And you can't do that if you're constantly being stifled or constantly being told we don't want you or, you're not qualified. Never mind that you're overqualified, right? Or that <laughs> your industry doesn't exist or or you know all the reasons. It's it it wears you down and it's going to wear down every other aspect of your life. So, oof, tangent. Yeah, Sorry. I know. No, it's okay. I mean, it's why I and I don't really feel like I'm to this point, but I am seeing places that I go in like Publix now hiring uh, Lowe's. I'm like, maybe I could work there. And I'm like, I mean, I'm really not wanting to, and I'm not desperate for a job, but it's like, I've already conditioned my mind to think like, well, you're probably not going to get anything in your field for sure. Yeah. So maybe take down your expectation a notch and maybe, maybe a job at the Publix bakery is a great idea because they won't really care when you leave in two years, they're used to it. And they don't really care if you need to only work on these days. Like, Mm-hmm. It, it's not that big. Yeah, it's not. Yeah. And I'm not knocking there, people that work at Publix Bakery. I would be honored to work there. <laughs> it sounds lovely. <laughs> it, yeah. I'm like donuts yeah. you can eat and clean yeah. shopping experience. <laughs> hey, friend. Quick break to tell you about a few things that we have going on for the fall season. We've been talking and we want to hang out with you. <laughs> we're going to introduce a new monthly hangout open to our lovely supporters on Patreon. And we're calling it Group Therapy. Asterisks not therapists. It is not actual group therapy. We just thought it was a fun play. Uh, And we don't know about you guys, but we need it. So once a month, we're going to host a Skype hangout, but you can join us face to face. And to kick us off, we'll do an Enneagram, ask us anything. Uh, Parenting, maybe we'll talk about homeschooling, pick Claire's brain on that. Uh, And really just whatever you guys are into and what you're thinking about. So we're also thinking of a book club. So if those things are interesting to you, check us out, patreon.com slash gurus for more. Also, we have revamped the Becoming Your Own Guru e-course. If you are a new follower of the podcast, we encourage you to check that out. It is an awesome tool and resource if you are interested in learning more about the Enneagram, but mostly more about the Enneagram as it pertains to military spouse life, challenges, triumphs, all of that. So we actually combined kind of our years of experience and pumped it all through an Enneagram filter so you can learn more about your type, what your type might look like in different stressors and environments that we find ourselves in, and how to navigate transitions effectively. So that you can find on millspokeviews.com slash ecourse. So one other like interesting, we'll come back to the article. They did a study of um, the actual availability of jobs. So we keep hearing like, you know, military spouses having these problems. Okay. But what does that actually mean? Right. What does that even look like? Um, is it a bigger problem than we think it is? Is it a smaller problem than we think it is? Cause what happens? So I posted this article on my LinkedIn and specifically pointed out Fort Bragg's, um, the job availability in the labor market here. Um, it was funny because a lot of I had a couple of people chime in and say, I've never had a problem finding a job or, you know, no, 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 no. And I'm like, okay, well, that's amazing. <laughs> Tell me your secret. Uh, I have worked locally twice. 
I was employed here twice. I was definitely underemployed when I worked here. And that was a, a, at some point I was like, you know what, I'm going to have to figure out how to work virtually because mm-hmm. this is not going to be something that I'm going to continue to do, or I will move and live somewhere else and we can geo batch. Right. So they did a study of, um, the top labor markets where there are like large populations of military spouses, um, it's places like Sam Houston, Fort Gordon, the Pentagon, you know, Fort Stewart, lots of army, lot, a little few Navy, mostly mm-hmm. army. I had somebody comment like, where are the Coast Guard stations? I was like, read the title. Yeah. <laughs> Near the largest military bases with metropolitan areas. So um, places like the Pentagon, Fort Meade, right? Uh, Fort Lewis, actually, interestingly enough, had a huge number of jobs available. And what they did was they studied um, job postings in the metro area and then just compared it to uh, the spouses that live there, how many spouses are actually counted there. Uh, So there was a plethora of jobs. um, But the problem in those markets is that it's too competitive. It's highly competitive. So even though we are an overeducated workforce compared to the civilian population at large, um, when you get talk about those specific markets, we're not. Yeah. Well, and to <laughs> so, know, Fort Campbell is number three on the most competitive. That sure is. Yeah. That's, Pen- that's, Pentagon first and then Fort Lewis and then Fort Campbell by number. Fascinating, Claire. Yeah. So <laughs> there are plenty of teacher's assistants with master's degrees, I guess. <laughs> like they want mm-hmm. you to have a doctor. I guess. Um, so and so and then as far as what what piqued my interest was the fact that Fort Bliss came in at a negative um, job availability rate of over almost ten thousand jobs. Uh, not, I can tell you why I've lived there. Really, you have to be bilingual, literally, to pass most oh. job job things. If you are not bilingual, it is such a it's a bilingual community, and if you are not fluent in Spanish, it is. Like I remember applying for a teaching job there and it was one of the kinds where like it, it kicks you out of the system basically once you get so far in. And one of the first questions was, do you speak fluent conversational Spanish? And when I had had to hit no, it bumped me out. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes sense. So it actually though means that there are less jobs than job seekers, but that probably does have to do you right with the fact that the job seekers can't get placement, um, in the jobs that are even available, specifically the military spouses, because how many of us are bilingual? Yeah, I gotcha. Um, Fort Bragg came in second on that number. So we have a negative uh, job availability rate or not rate. We have negative 5,565 jobs compared to the job seekers. And I'm in all the groups here and have been active with our hiring our heroes group, the military spouse professional network. And I see that a lot. It's there is so much competition for the jobs that do get posted. And a lot of the jobs are like entry level sort of admin or front office or retail. Um, but to the point of the local, the local nature that the article suggests, do you think part of that is the size of Fayetteville? Like Fayetteville is just not large enough to accommodate the force because it's all military people pretty much. But then it's a small to me, it's smaller than probably Fort Bliss. That's good. Google. I might Google that. Um, we I would be interested because it doesn't say specifically if they're counting the four county radius around Fort Bragg because we Fort Bragg touches four counties. So Fayetteville is in Cumberland County and Fayetteville is the city um, and it probably is not as large. But if you're talking about like all the way around the base, counting like Southern Pines, Moore County, all of that, um, that would be interesting to know. Also, they did point out, you know, a lot of this takes into account COVID um, and the fact that a lot of the industries that military spouses find success in uh, employment, like service industries, hospitality, Mm -hmm. things like that, that are more readily uh, willing to hire 
kind of, you know, just not just anybody, but (laughs) you have a better chance of getting those kind of jobs um, have been affected because of COVID and the shutdown. So real quick fact check, El Paso has 682 and change um, residents in Fayetteville proper, I guess, is 209 and change. Oh, that's a lot smaller. Okay. All right. Fair. Um, However, okay, so there's negative job availability per military spouse population that Mm -hmm. resides here. Um, I had a threaded conversation with a few folks and it was like, oh, you know, I've never worked here locally. I've already said that. Um, Mainly because the pay scale here is really low. It's really low, especially coming from anywhere else. Like I came from DC back here once and I was like, you've got to be kidding me. Like you cannot expect people to work for that much. Um, I'm talking like $10 an hour and $12 an hour as like the the standard uh, for, you know, even like office management, again, type jobs. So I had, I have overheard um, a physician once say that they could pay that much to just about anybody because there were 85 people standing out the hall waiting for that job and somebody would take it. So it's almost like if we would quit taking the $12 jobs, you know, the $12 an hour jobs, we could move the needle there, but not really because people need the $12 an hour jobs. So somebody is going to always take that job. So it's kind of fighting, you know, both, both ends against the middle. But anyway, found that fascinating. It's, it's, and it's very specific to each industry, right? Like Claire with your teaching profession, right? Like, I mean, anyone that's kind of specialized and we talked about this on generalist versus specialist, right? An earlier episode, um, it's going to have, you're going to have a different flavor every single yeah. place you move. So there is no consistency. Well, and I'm yeah. curious to the, to the correlation, if any, cause I'm looking at the the chart here and all the big blue ones. Um, I'm looking at Pentagon. I'm looking at Fort Gordon, Georgia, Fort Meade. Those are big MI areas. Fort Campbell, Fort Bragg, very special forces heavy. And I'm wondering if there's a correlation to husband job, husband special, not husband. I shouldn't have even said that. Service member. (laughs) Back to 1950 here. There we go. Service. Let me get back to 2020. Service member training and specialty correlation to community and then spouse training, you know, I, I think that's worth noting. And I think they do bring it up somewhere in the article. I would have to scan really quickly to find it, but they talk about op tempo and just the requirements of, um, what the non-serving spouse is going to be required of. So think about the special ops community where, I mean, that's Campbell, that's Bragg, that's Fort Lewis. That's, I mean, that's most of these on here. Um, Mm-hmm. If you're if your spouse up and deploys like with almost no notice, like that's a thing, right? That's something that you right. have to consider. And I do think a lot of spouses, once they've been burned once or twice, uh, from having to either quit a job or feel like they can do both and fail miserably at it. Um, mm-hmm. think about how we've all felt during COVID, right? During yeah. all of us again, back to our episode a couple of <laughs> weeks ago. It's falling the 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 burden is falling disproportionately on the shoulders of women um or of the 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 primary caregiver, let's put it that way, um, mm-hmm. because we're having to alter and make sure that we still have a stable income coming in, which we are thankful for and the healthcare and all that good stuff. But still, it comes at a cost. It comes at a price. Um, yeah. So yeah, that that definitely has a lot to do with it. And then the fact that those some of those communities move more often than others uh, for career progression for the service member. So that's the hindrance as well. Um, and then you're bouncing around to such 
non-consistent places. I think that's part of it too. It's like, you know, you can't go from the Pentagon to Fort Bliss, or maybe that's not a good one. Maybe Pentagon to Fort Polk even, right? Like what's, what kind of industries are going to be similar in those two places, right? Or mm-hmm. having the expectation of being able to have any kind of continuity now, hopefully with the advent and the the new like enthusiasm for virtual work, hopefully we can, you know, maybe get, make some headway there, but yeah. It's well, that was going to be one of my talking points here finally near the end of just talking about the the term I learned from reading the article, which kind of seems to have come about because of the pandemic and such move to virtual, but the, the idea of job-centric upskilling, which they define as a, mm-hmm. an approach to workforce development based on training and getting individuals ready for in-demand jobs. So for me, that would be going to this workforce uh, grant area and saying, previously, I have been a teacher and I have all these years of experience. I have training Instead of me spending my time and energy reactivating my teaching license, that's them Mm -hmm. saying, you know, what's really in demand here? There's an Amazon plant or there's, you know, whatever the thing is locally and say, instead of keeping on encouraging me to like pursue something that there's maybe no demand for, they're (laughs) taking a a better snapshot of the local community and saying, let's get you upskilled and find you something. And I, and I do have access to some, uh, like, online portal type training and, you know, I can do different things, but, um, I do think that's something to note is just maybe don't expect to stay in your industry or I don't know. There's definitely like negatives yeah. for switching careers or starting back at the bottom or whatever, but. Oh yeah. No, I've, know. I've hopped, I've hopped industries probably seven times. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's, it's a matter of, and, and the service members are going to have to do this too when they end up transitioning out, right? It's a, it's understanding how to transition or translate your skills um, and take an assessment of, of what you offer. Um, and there are tons of awesome resources to be able to do that. You mentioned um, the career, my SECO is one, the spouse employment and career, mm, mm, something, EO. <laughs> Right. And then I've done mine through Workforce Essentials. That's the basic like uh, umbrella organization. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, we'll drop all those links for y'all. Um, but I do like the idea that we're starting to pay more attention to um, educating employers about what the workforce is, like what the talent pool is that available that is available to them instead of discounting us as a monolith. And that's part of the 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 you know theses or the, the thesis of this article is that the problem is not even monolithic, let alone are the people monolithic. There right. are very specific challenges and hurdles that are going to have to be addressed in really creative ways on a hyper local level. But understanding that the problem exists in the first place and what the problem is and how to start moving out of the problem and offering solutions is going to be the first step. So I, I just really enjoyed it. I hope you guys get as much out of it as we did. I mean, it's, it's, it's validating, you know, like again, almost with everything that we do, like, why is this hard? Is this really hard? Am I having a hard time? No, it's hard. (laughs) This is actually a challenge. Well, I want to leave, I'm kind of going to get, give myself a challenge here, but maybe anybody else listening, something I've really been paying attention to this year. And I've mentioned this even in some of our other episodes talking about politics or other things. And that is, I may not be able to make a big national difference, but I can make a local difference, like in my mm-hmm. own home, my own life. So I'm I'm asking you, Kelly, I'm asking myself here, after reading this article, after taking in all this information, what's something tangible I can do, or a, even a mindset shift I can challenge myself with going forward to be part of the solution, even maybe not 
for other people, maybe just even in my own situation, but I'm, I'm putting myself on the spot and maybe putting you on the spot here. I'm looking at how can I make this supremely local and personal to myself. Mm. And I think, I think maybe I'm going to start taking a peek at some other industries and seeing if I really do want a job, like maybe not the retail industry of like making cakes at Publix, but <laughs> I think you'd be great at that. <laughs> legitimately, like, what would it take to get some kind of IT certificate or what would, you know, mm. what are, what really are the in-demand jobs in my area and what would, what might that look like? Maybe I'm not acting on it yet. I'm just researching and gathering information, but I think that's going to be my takeaway I- from this. I think that's great. And I think you're already doing a lot of it, right? I mean, you're already looking into all of the professional development stuff, even though you're like not fully like, I don't know if I'm really going to do this. I mean, our conversation over the past few weeks has been like, no, please do. And then, so one of the, one of the recommendations here is, um, increasing entrepreneurial support via professional networking groups, mentorship programs. So Claire, you, my friend are a mentor, um, so by making yourself available to other folks who are curious how to maybe transition or being a mentee, you know, and asking like, okay, well, here are my skills. What can I do? What should I do here? Um, I think that even just that practice mm-hmm. is huge for a confidence yeah. boost and just figuring out what in the world is even out there and what's possible. So, yeah. Yeah. And the last thing that the article suggests is also taking advantage of programs through um, accelerator and incubator things. And I mm-hmm. was looking on my time hop yesterday, Kelly, two years ago, I we know. were in Washington, D.C. for our own little incubator. So, yeah. Shout out Seed Spot. That was mm-hmm. fun. Oh. That was. That was. Well, let us know if you have any thoughts or opinions around spouse employment, unemployment about this specific study. Like Kelly mentioned, we'll have it linked. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at Claire at MillspoGurus.com or Kelly at MillspoGurus.com. Yep. And hey, quick note, you guys, if you haven't already seen or haven't gotten an email in your inbox, we are having a webinar, a free webinar where we're going to be talking about the Enneagram specifically for military spouses. No, it is not our e-course. It is um, a more fun kind of broadened conversation about like ego and identity and personality and maybe just a moment to like catch our breath because 2020 is, has just been amazing. And we want, we want to take a step back and, and maybe look at that through an Enneagram lens. So there'll be a Q and a session, um, really easy to sign up. You just head over to our website. There'll be a pop-up in your face within moments to head you over to the registration. And it's giving us a chance to get our hair and makeup done for at least one day of this year. <laughs> so there's we, that remember when we used to do video? <laughs> It's going to happen. It's going to be great, you guys. So be sure to join us November 12th at 2 o'clock Eastern. Thanks for joining us this week on Advice Not Given. For resources and links to all the things mentioned in today's episode, head over to our website at millspogurus.com. That's M-I-L-S-P-O-G-U-R-U-S. If you enjoyed this episode, please help others find us by adding your thoughts to an iTunes review and subscribing so you never miss a show. If you're interested in being a next level supporter of our endeavors, check out our Patreon page. You can pledge as little as a dollar per episode to help us out with expenses. Think of it as eavesdropping on our coffee date, but then sending over a latte. It's a thing. Also, be sure to find us on Instagram and Facebook at Gurus, where we keep the conversation going and where you can share your advice not given.